Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, welcome back to Masterclass Theology. As always, I am Big Rev, and we have been on this journey uh, with uh, Bible characters, and we've been learning about Bible characters. I've, I've been inviting some of my friends onto this podcast, and it is an honor to have a special guy that I, I am so honored to know and have gotten to know, and just, just a really awesome guy. I, I know him as Francisco. He's, he'll introduce himself in, just in a moment here, and, but yeah, it's just it's really cool to have Francisco with me tonight and to see where he's going to lead us, and uh, but before we get to that, let me let me just pray, and then we'll we'll, we'll find out more about Francisco. God, God, I'm so grateful for this time in your word tonight. We are so grateful, Lord, for your word and how you've blessed us with your word, that we get to study it and get to know you and then get to know more about what you expect from our lives. And and this current journey, Lord, in your word, we're, we're, we're studying biblical characters and we get to see them warts and all, and we get to see how you use their stories for your glory. And it encourages us. So we just pray for, for this time together in your word and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Francisco, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so yeah, I'm Francisco. I am a new Christian. I got saved last January. I've been coming to the bridge ever since and got to know a lot of the people there, including yourself. It's one of my favorites and uh, it's been a great journey so far with the Lord and the people here encouraging me. I know Francisco as a reader and I, I he, he loves to take in information. I have met him in He's attended Bible classes that I've hosted, and he is just a you know very intelligent young man. And I, you know, I'm really I'm really excited about where he's going to lead us tonight. And so, Francisco, where are you going to lead us tonight? What biblical character are we going to study? We are going to be jumping all over the place with Simon Peter. All right, so Simon Peter, and and so to to give our listeners a chance to set their Bible to the first spot, where where is the first location in Scripture you're going to take us? Uh, we're doing John one thirty five. Okay, so so listeners, you can pause this if you need to turn to John one thirty five, and and Francisco, I've been asking, I, I have been asking everybody this as they come on. Do you have a special nickname you want to use for yourself? Yeah, so I have to figure something out because I don't use a lot of nicknames anymore. But all the guys at work will call me Pancho, which is like a Mexican name for Francisco. So we can go with Pancho. that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Well, we, we we've already prayed, so we're gonna be with Simon Peter tonight with 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 Pancho and Big Red. <laughs> All right, Pancho, the floor is yours, my friend. All right, so I kind of wanted to just talk about how, you know, especially as a new Christian, when you have preconceived notions, it's like, oh, Christians are all righteous and holy, and you know, I had never read the Bible before, and it's, you know, they. They're perfect, or at least you think they're perfect. And you actually read it, and it's uh, not like that at all. And they're all, especially even the, the apostles were deeply flawed men that made mistakes, and God still used them. So it's kind of encouraging to see. So I figured we'd uh, stop for some of the highlights of Peter's uh, career. So we were starting in John first, uh, 35, which would be uh, the first time he meets Jesus. So I'll read a couple of verses and we can talk a little bit about uh, the main point. So on the next day, John 
this was John the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and noticed them following, he said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. And here's where it really kick in. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. When Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So this is... Um, Looking at the four Gospels and doing some research, I believe this is the first time they ever met. Uh, you know, later on, we'll talk about some other Gospels, beginning stories, but looking at the timeline, I think this is the first time uh, Peter and Jesus were introduced through his brother who was following Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And right away, he already gave him his, his new name, Peter, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like the first time they met, he's already changing his name. Mm. So from there, we're going to go to Matthew 4.18. What's, what's kind of cool there, Pancho, is that uh, Andrew doesn't get a lot of play. And it, it seems like the big thing he does right from the start is he just simply introduces his brother to Jesus. Yeah, he's just middle manning. I mean, he does become one of the 12 apostles too. But yeah, you don't hear too totally. much about Andrew overall. <laughs> And but but you know he he made the connections. So some of us may not feel like we're all that to write home about, but maybe we, there, there's there's some kind of a secondary role that that we're able to bless history, I mean, someone else's life by. It we feels like, well, gosh, I didn't do anything big, but you know, it's he introduced Peter Thanks. to Jesus. It's kind of cool. Changed Peter's life, yeah, <laughs> totally. So uh, Matthew four eighteen is kind of another. So this would take place a little later on. Uh, Simon's name is already Peter. P Jesus already calls him Peter. And this is kind of like the first calls to ministry, but this is Matthew 4.18. And it's now Jesus. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. So this is more the actual call to ministry. This is Peter's actual you know, put down your way of life, what you're doing now, and you're following me from now on. And so, you know, further in the land, they'd already met each other, they'd already been introduced. Uh, the next place we're going to go to, you see, this doesn't happen until after John the Baptist dies. So there's a, a, uh, a lapse of time here. You know, some people I've read whether maybe a year passes between their first meeting and then his actual call to ministry. So, you know, he met Jesus, he got a new name from Jesus, but he didn't pick up his life and stop fishing right away. There was some time there. So we're going to, it's, it's still the same story. We're just kind of touching it on different gospels. So Mark, uh, first chapter of Mark 16 through 20, he, uh, this is Jesus. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus is going to follow me for I will make you become fishers of men. So it's uh, pretty much the same thing. But if you go up a couple verses, verse 14, 
you see, to get a little more background, now after John had been delivered up into custody, Jesus came to Galilee. So they met, some time passed, Andrew was still following John, and then John is arrested, and Jesus kind of begins his ministry and calls these guys. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I'd like, yeah, I've read the Gospels a couple times in the year I've been a Christian, and I never really picked up on that, that John got arrested before Jesus started the 33. So it was after he was baptized and everything, obviously, and then John's gone, and Jesus kind of starts stepping up and uh, gathering the 12 together. Uh, and then right after that, we do find out that uh, Simon Peter was married because right away Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So uh, this is Mark 1 still. We are in uh, verse 29, 30, 31. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, two other uh, disciples who were also fishermen, and Simon Peter's uh, business partners. We see in another part of the Bible. So they were all kind of, Three, three of them become Jesus's core group, and they were already kind of business partners and had a history of being together before they became apostles, which I thought was kind of cool. And poor Andrew, again, gets kind of excluded from the, the core group, but again, he brought Jesus to his brother, introduced them, and then the two other partners of the fishing business they had together all become Jesus's core, and obviously John wrote the Gospel of John and a couple other books out of the Bible. So uh, one of the first things, so they came out of the synagogue, they came to uh, Simon's house, and Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she began waiting on them. So right away, Jesus met them, they went to Peter's house, and he uh, healed his mother-in-law, which is kind of cool. Right away, he's uh, doing miracles in his life. And for a second, I thought this was like the first miracle that was done in, in Simon Peter's life and uh, kind of, you know, proved who Jesus was to him. But if you look at uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11, let's go to Luke 1 through 11. So this is like the most detailed uh, of the call the ministry stories, the, the origin story, if you will, of Simon Peter. And I really like this one a lot because this is where, so kind of kicking into it, Jesus gets on Simon Peter's boat. He uses that to get out to talk to the crowds. And um, where were we? So verse three, we'll start. And he got into one of the boats, which is Simon's, and asked him to put a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we labored all night and caught nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boat for them, uh, John, I'm assuming, and James, to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a simple man. 
for amazement to see them and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon, were also likewise amazed. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, for from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So that, you know, again, the first time he gets together with him, this is kind of still the same story, both from a different point of view. And Jesus, the first miracle before he even healed his mother-in-law, he is uh, the catch of fish. He found a huge catch of fish with the nets breaking. And right away, uh, Peter recognizes uh, Christ's lordship. And then this is a miracle, you know, like he can't believe it. And he says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And that's just the start right there. It's like he knows, he recognizes his own sin and that he's not really worthy to even be in the presence of, of God. Yeah. But he tells him, do not fear. For now on, you will be catching men. So he kind of tells him, don't worry about that. And you have a whole new life mission now. So it's just kind of a reassuring start to, to his story. You know, it's like, okay, so regardless of your past or whatever you were doing out there on your boats with your life and your sins, uh, Jesus still has a use for you and he's still calling him to be uh, one of his servants. He still has a place for him in the kingdom. So, so Pancho, I have to ask, uh, so our listeners can know, what, 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 is, what is it you do for a living? So right now I work at a body shop. So I'm an auto doctor. So you're, you're essentially a mechanic. Yes. Right. So to, to kind of bring this story home, this would be kind of like, and I'll just, for the sake of argument, make myself Jesus here. Okay, so basically a religious figure that's not a mechanic, all right? There it is. That, that's the only equation with Jesus I'll, I'll give myself here. So Jesus goes onto that boat and talks to a professional fisherman and gives him fishing advice. So this would be yeah. like me coming in your shop and maybe recommending this tool versus that tool when you've been doing that work all your life. And, and here I come in just, just you know, all I've got with me is my religious reputation at that point. And, and all you have for me is my is your, your basic respect as I'm one of your pastors. And okay, on your word, I'll do it maybe. But it's like, all right, just, just for Peter's humility here to cast yeah. the, the dude's been fishing all night. And here's this guy who's not a fisherman coming in here giving fishing advice. I, that'd be like me walking into your shop. And then you just out of basic respect for me because you're my friend. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give it a shot, Joe. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> just for you, you know, it's, it's almost like Peter's doing it just for Jesus. All right, Jesus, on your word, I'll do it. But that, you know, I mean, that's just yeah. kind of, like, he's just a blue collar. Peter's just like a blue collar dude here. Although, would you say, Pancho, that he's more than just a blue collar dude? Because it almost sounds like Peter is a small business owner. Yeah, I was just saying, I never really got that before either. I thought, hey, it's just a fisherman, but it sounds like him and James and John own a little fishing business. They're, yeah, they're business mean, partners. They got two boats. They're, they're out there. And would you also say, because I know we have some Catholic friends who they, they look to Simon Peter as their first pope, but we I don't think we ever hear about Peter's wife, but he does have a mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah yeah that's only yeah there's only like two and the other ones in first corinthians i think it's the and I, I didn't highlight that one but there's only like two references to peter being married in there but yes the first pope was uh was married and had you, a mother-in-law you don't, you don't get a mother-in-law without a wife i mean, <laughs> you, I mean there, there's probably some people some guys listening to this podcast and who have wonderful mother-in-law mother, mothers-in-law like okay that's great but you 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 just don't accept a mother-in-law without first having a bride. You know, you gotta have yeah, you gotta have that wife. Then okay, the mother-in-law comes with, we get it. 
But so yeah, the obviously, bonus. The bonus. <laughs> right. Or if if his wife, yeah. So obviously he's married to have a mother-in-law. Yeah, and so he's she's a part of the household. Okay. But yeah, obviously. So so we, we I think Pancho kind of we always hear tradition say that when they describe the twelve apostles, that you know, they always have Peter as an older dude. And so that would probably be two things working towards that. He's already married. And he's probably like a small business owner. So he's, it might make sense. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that it might make sense that he would be a little bit older? Cause a little more established. Yeah. That makes sense. I hadn't heard that before. I didn't know that. So that's cool to, to learn, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you're already married, I mean, they did get married young back then sometimes too. So, but 30s, 40s, at least, at least Jesus' age, I'd say he was at least 33, but maybe older. Yeah, and have a successful fishing business. I guess. It, it, might also be, it might also be a reason why he tends to be a spokesperson. It, he, he speaks a lot for the group. Well, maybe he's an older dude that, at least older than the, 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 the average age of everyone else, and maybe they're looking at him as their mentor. Or just an old, you know, he, he's... He's the one that, that all the rest of the guys might just follow or something. I don't know. But, but if he you was a bit more wants, established. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. Like, yeah, you, you talk to people, you negotiate things, you, you talk to Jesus. <laughs> you, you know, leave us out of this. And so that's kind of how they first met. That's uh, the first miracles in, in Simon Peter's life. And just, you know, where he first met Jesus and, and got started on his new path in life and became a fisher of men. So... Then we kind of, I'm going to hit on some of like the lessons and miracles that Simon Peter was there for and how some of them he got and some of them he didn't get so well. So here I'm going to Matthew 14 verses, what I got circled, 25 to 31. And this is kind of one of the bigger stories. We've all heard this one where Jesus walks on the, on the water. So we're at the Sea of Galilee, I believe. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So this is three to six in the morning. So it's, you know, late at the night, the guys are asleep. Now when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Simon Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk, to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And getting out of the boat, Jesus walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And again, right here, you see, so Jesus walking on water, controlling nature, you know, middle of the storm. And Peter's just like, you know what? Let me come out to you. Let me walk on the water too, Lord. Let me get out there and get on this action, which is kind of funny to me. Like, who do you think you are, Peter? But Jesus says, you know, he goes, he goes for it. He's like, hey, you know, come, come out to me and, and we can do this. You know, I can help you walk on water, do a miracle. And then he gets out there and he gets scared and starts to sink. And right away, it's like, Lord, save me. So bit of problem, Lord, save me. And, you know, Maybe let him sink a little bit, scare him a little bit. Who do you think you are? But he immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand and takes hold of him and just, he doesn't really beat him a little. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, I mean, I'm Jesus. You see me walking on the water. I'm not thinking, why are you scared? But uh, again, it's kind of like 
maybe a little pride, maybe a little uh, arrogance trying to get out there on the miracle and then hitting a little resistance, calling out to the Lord. And he's always there. He got him, even if if you're maybe going in the wrong way a little bit or something or getting a little big head. God still saved him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why are you scared? Why are you questioning? And uh, and saved him. I mean, that's what he asked. Lord, save me. Pancho, I got to ask, put yourself in Peter's position right there. Would you have gotten out of the boat? <sighs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would have asked. Yeah, I don't think I would even. That wouldn't have crossed my mind. I think I'd be like, just shocked to see Jesus walking on the water. Like, my first you, thought would be like, said, come. What's that? Like, Jesus said, come. So invite me out of this boat, you know, invite me to come to you, thinking there's no way this guy is going to call me out. And then Jesus calls him out. And so he says, come. So now it's a put up or shut up moment. At that point, so it's, it's, it's you believe it's Jesus, because if it's you, call me out there. So he does, but he still has to take that step out of the boat. And that's a step onto water. I mean, that, that, that's, at that point, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to sink it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would you, even though Jesus just said, come, would you have stepped out of the boat? I mean, again, I'd like to think yes, but I don't know. It's uh, it's a proposition, but I guess in a way we all have to do that with our lives. And Jesus says, come, and, and we do. And uh, you got to give some things up and change some things. And you try to follow in faith, but right. maybe not as scary as stepping onto the water, but we still kind of metaphorically do that. So I'd like to think yes, but... I mean, because really what it comes down to is Peter was asking Jesus, you know... If you call me out to you, this is essentially an impossibility. And so when Jesus does call him, that would mean Peter would have to then participate in it as, okay, yeah, I'm going to trust you enough to think that the impossible is going to happen. And I'm going to get out of whatever comfort zone I'm in and I'm going to get out and actually step on. And so, I, so I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And when I step out of this boat, I'm not going to immediately sink. I'll at least walk, you know, because I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me to you. If you, I mean, that, I mean, that is again. I love how you brought up our stories. I mean, that's that. That's the essence of faith. Is I can't trust in myself. We're here. And I, all I can do is trust you and hope all for the best. It's really all I can do. I, I don't think I would have gotten out of the. I mean, I want to think I'd get out of the boat. Yeah, but exactly. Like, that's such it's a. Kind of, <laughs> it's a scary proposition. Like he, he called his bluff. You know, he's like, "Yeah, do this for me. Don't call me out to you." And I got to. He's like, "All right, come." And it's like, "Do you do it then?" you do it and again yeah like you said too we'd like to think we'd say yes but it's a it was a raging storm you know and like you said the winds came and immediately he got scared he starts to sink and again that's kind of like a little doubt there you know a little he stepped out fully believing jesus got me takes a couple steps and then starts to sink and he says why why do you doubt you have little faith like so but again that was so reassuring reading that kind of thing as a newer believer like we might have doubts. There might be times where you stumble a little bit, but Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and saved them and said, you know, just why do you doubt? Don't be worried. Don't be scared. So I like that a lot. I, I got Simon Peter's story is pretty cool. So after that, we're still in Matthew. We're going to Matthew 16. That's a couple pages down, not too far. So Matthew... 16, 13 through 20. 
okay, this is uh, Peter confessing that Jesus is the Christ. So uh, I'll start reading a little bit and we can talk about it. So now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples saying, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still some others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, always the spokesman, <laughs> and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which just means Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to, to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loose in heaven. And he warned the disciples that I should not tell anyone that he was the Christ. So my the thing that really stood out to me there was where it's verse 17, uh, and Jesus answers him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's kind of like, it's God's God's giving him wisdom. God's giving him revelation. Like flesh and blood did not like you know. It's not anyone else telling him this or his own fleshly body or mind. Like this is revelation from God that Peter's getting, wow. which is kind of cool. God gives us faith is a gift, you know, and God gave it to us, and God gave him this this knowledge that this is the Son of God. And I like how he said that. He's just like you know, my Father reveals to you, and. uh one of those that's one of Peter's big moments, I think, where like you are getting revelation from God that this is Christ. That's and, pretty and awesome. Upon, so the Bible's being written right here. So this is not like where I'm closing the Bible and trying to get something extra. It, this is this is now Jesus saying that you know that he was making a he was making a comment about Peter, you know, be, being informed by God, which I agree with is a really cool moment. And the fact that Jesus knows that and that he Either he was privy somehow to that conversation or just knows that that could only come from the father. And that's just kind of cool. Like Jesus sees what happened in, this, in, in a spiritual reality there. And, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus knows it all. He knows his heart. He knows his mind. And, and he knows that this is the only way he could have known that. There's no other way that Simon Peter could have known that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. So I think it's a great moment for Peter. And then right afterwards, though, <laughs> verses 21 through 23, same chapter, you don't even flip a page. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day, which we just celebrated last week. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. So I just thought the duality of this, is this the same chapter of Peter is in one half of the chapter is getting told by Jesus. You just got this great revelation from God that I am the son of God. There's no other way you could have known this to get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me and you're focused on your own worldly interests. And man's interest and not mine, because of course Jesus knows why he's gonna die and Simon doesn't. But it's funny how in one chapter you have such a great, great moment to such a big fall in uh in faith, just 
thinking you can rebuke God. Like, especially if you just said, like, hey, you're the son of God, the living Christ. Also, no, 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 that's a bad idea. You're not doing that. We're not having that, Lord. Like, who do you think you are? Again, he's kind of got these moments that as a normal human male, like we all go through pride and struggle with different kinds of sins. It's like, who does this guy think he is talking to Jesus? But Jesus always shows him compassion and love and just, but get behind me, Satan. That's kind of rough words to hear from, uh, from the Lord. Especially when you when you go back about 10 chapters or so and, and Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And one of the great temptations is worship Satan and not have to do any of this stuff, not have to the entire ministry that would eventually lead to his sacrifice. It's basically take the easy way out and worship me and I'll yeah. give it to you right now. And so it's like, it's like, he's hearing the same thing from Peter. This shall never happen. Like no way, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. Who rebuking? Who do you think? Who does he think he is? But at the same time, that was the same message Satan was giving him. So Jesus sees right through it. Yeah, it's, it's like Satan speaking through Peter's voice. You know, it's like, get behind me. Like, it's exactly something similar. Yeah, exact same thing. But it's so wild to see that, I guess. And that's something that stood out to me. It's just uh, the duality in one chapter of how, how we are, our condition. Like, we could be, have, see god's word and learn from him so much and at the same time just turn around and not believe it not agree with it just be like no that's not happening but who are we and uh i, I just found that really interesting it's one of the, the big moments i think in seven peter's career track here yeah um the next big uh revelation part of uh jesus story peter gets to play again a couple of verses down in chapter 17 Peter is there when Jesus uh, transfigures. He's part of the, the select three. Him and his business partners, James and John, get to see Christ in all his glory with Moses and Elijah. And uh, you know, I'll read a little bit of it. But So it's 17. We'll start at verse 1 because they, they start off hard. Six days later, Jesus brought with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I would make three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. And again, another great moment that Peter gets to be part of and witness. And he's still kind of running his mouth a little bit. And he can't, he's got to say something. You know, he can't just witness it. He's got to. And so I like that in verse five, the first thing in this translation, it says, while he was still speaking, we all so like. He got to cut God off. He's like, hey, Lord, let me make you a tent. Let me do this to start setting things up. And they're like, there's a little more to this, Peter. Just uh, just watch and see, you know. And I, I don't know if he's ever got cut off before in the Bible, you know, while he, while he was still speaking. Right. So I like that. What's really cool, and, uh, two, two pieces of trivia here, Pancho, is that uh, our, our Jewish friends, uh, every Passover, they, 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 say, they save a seat for Elijah. Well, Elijah came here. Elijah's here. 
And so he did arrive. And then, and then second of all, after Elijah was caught up into heaven, this, this is the return of Elijah, which, you know, many, many think he, this, this is Moses and Elijah. Okay. We got the, the, the law and the prophets, you know, representatives right there. But, and this is my favorite piece of trivia. Moses was never allowed to go to the promised land because of his sin, but he's here. He's here on a technicality in the promised land. It's like God allowed him to have a cup of coffee or something. And so, yeah, what was that sin? That's where like he struck the rock instead of speaking to it or something. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. essentially, he was in frustration. He was stealing some of God's glory. Like he's just, oh, I'm going to strike the rock again. And they, but yeah, it was, and that that was it. That was the one thing, and God punished it. But he said, you're never, you're not going to lead them into the promised land. And he never got to, but he's here in the promised land. So on a technicality, it's like God yeah. just, okay, you can have a cup of coffee, but then you're going to take off. <laughs> Stop in. So you don't get the tent. That's why I cut off Peter. <laughs> don't get comfortable. But again, it's just like Simon Peter's career track is amazing. It's like one of the leader, basically the leader of the apostle. He's always listed first, but he got to witness so many things in the, in the life of Christ and his ministry. And it's pretty cool. And so then we're heading to Luke, uh, chapter 22, 31 to 34. Sorry, where we're at here. This is nine. Let's go to 10. I got little sticky notes here to keep my place. So this is kind of where we're getting closer to Jesus' death now. And the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. And uh, I just want to Of course, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's something to worry about right before they they kill Christ. Is like, which one of us is the greatest? You know, <laughs> <laughs> again, focused on on the things of man. <laughs> but uh, so here we find Peter. Uh, let me see what it is. Basically, Jesus is talking to them, and he ends with saying, "Simon, Simon." And I, one of the things I kind of noticed, and it's not always the case, but when when Peter's acting more like his old self. Jesus always calls him Simon. He uses his old name. So I think we're talking about nicknames and stuff. That's why I use a lot of the old nicknames that I go by Francisco now. Because again, the old names, old life. But here Jesus is calling him Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed earnestly for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have returned, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow to thee until you have denied three times that you know me. So again, here is where Peter gets told that, hey, you're talking a big game again. Put yourself out there. I'm ready to go to prison and to death with you. You're going to deny me. You know, after you're arguing who's the greatest, you're not going to act like the greatest. And you are going to deny me three times that you know me. And the other thing I found really interesting is where Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. So some translations don't say include all, but they kind of, you know, you kind of, if you read it in context, he's talking to all the disciples. Yeah. But Satan the is, Greek uh, is plural, the Greek is plural there. So yeah, he's asked, Satan's asked to sift y'all. Y'all, like, exactly. But then the Greek gets singular again in that, but I prayed for you, Simon. So you'll strengthen the brother, you know. So there you go. Yeah. But that's really so, cool, Pancho, because. It's it's really cool because this is now the second time where Jesus is privy to some kind of spiritual conversation. So for the first time was you you learned that from your, your my heavenly Father. You know you didn't hear that from man about you are the Christ, and so here Jesus has now witnessed 
some kind of behind the scenes conversation between the God, the father and Satan, or, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, it is. Cause I'm reading Job right now too, for like the first time. So you see the, the holy court, the heavenly court, you know, with God and, and Satan. So you kind of see something similar here with Simon Peter and the rest of the guys. And I feel like, you know, knowing what's coming here, of course, also with hindsight reading in the Bible, they all do fail. I mean, they all scatter and run and leave Jesus alone in the garden. So they, they are going to be sifted. But again, Christ restores them all to, to ministry and to serving him. So it's kind of cool. They're going to fail this test. And we see, you know, Peter fail it exactly in the next coming verses. But again, God's like always for us and willing to, to overlook our flaws and failures and redeem us and use us, which is awesome. Amen. Uh, so here we're going to just kind of follow along the story here. We're going to be back in Matthew. And I didn't actually write down which verse this is here. So let me find it for y'all. We're at 10. Matthew's forward. 11. Here we go. So we are in Matthew 26. And we're going to be looking at verses 36 through 38. And it's, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John again, his whole inner crew, who were all business partners, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. So in Jesus' final moments, again, he's calling his guys over to him to pray for him, to keep watch over him. And once again, they kind of let him down and they're falling asleep on him. They don't stay up. And uh, I mean, Jesus is being grieved here. He's, he's weeping blood, you know, uh, sweat and blood. And they, the men could not keep watching me for one hour, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's such a, a powerful verse. And he asked God to take the cup from him, God the Father. Of course, he went away a second time and prayed, saying, My Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And the guys, he finds them sleeping yet again. Uh, and so it kind of ends this little paragraph in verse 45, 46. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. So, again, he asked him for one favor, come with me, keep watch while I pray. Can't do it. Um, and moving along here in the, the timeline of these moments leading up to the Lord's death, we're going back to, I told you guys, we're going to be flipping everywhere. We're back to Luke. There we go. Luke 22. I flipped the wrong one. Luke 22, we are in verses 61 and 62. You know what, I'll read 62. So, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately when he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. So this is kind of the last time that Peter is denying the Christ. Like, you know, if you read the whole chapter, he denied the, the two other times. But I thought this was, this story is all the Gospels, but this is such a powerful take on it because 
In verse 61, it says, the Lord turned and looked to Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and cried bitterly. And you don't get that in other gospels where the Lord turns and looks at Peter. And you can just imagine that look, like, I don't know, like a mix of hope for the future, of anguish that your your friend is letting you down and, and you knew it was coming. And he, you know, talked a big game, but still denied you three times close enough that you could turn and look at him. Obviously, I don't think they were next to each other. It's Jesus. He's God. He can... It'll be a couple feet away in here, but he knows what's in Simon Peter's heart, and he knows he just did it, you know. And uh, he went out and cried bitterly, which you know seems reasonable. And uh, I really like in that the contrast between him and Judas, because at this point right now, I feel like Simon Peter betrayed Judas or uh, Jesus just as much as Judas. He didn't betray him for money. He didn't turn him over to the guards, but he denies he knows him. He denies he was part of his group. He denies he's the Lord. And he's just, you know, just a man without acting without faith, without trusting the Lord. And, uh, but the reaction to it, you know, Judas ended up going out and killing himself. And Simon Peter kind of goes back to fishing, goes back to living his life, but still has that chance of redemption because he didn't, you know, we all fail. Like we've said, and we all know, we, we fail, we're flawed, but uh, it's never too late. And Simon Peter still, you know, didn't kill himself, <laughs> which, you know, is generally a good idea. We all make mistakes, but there's always that chance to, to redeem ourselves and, and have redemption. And there's no way to do that if you if you make the final, you know. So Simon Peter just went back to fishing and was just working again. And then... You know, Jesus restores his ministry. And after all this, obviously, you know, if you go into Acts, he becomes, you know, the chief apostle and uh, missionary, and he's just spreading the good word, like the fire growing the early church. And uh, so much he's done. But in this moment right here, he is just, just done. So... Yeah, Pancho, you might even argue, speaking of Judas and, and Peter, you might even argue that both men were depressed, that they, they both were acting from a depressed place, but it looks like Judas is responding very selfishly, and it, you know, it's a pretty selfish moment to just decide, well, you know, I'm just going to take my own life at this point. I mean, that's probably the, the, the peak of selfishness, and and, and, I, and I don't mean to disrespect any, any, any family member of a loved one who's committed suicide, but just contrasted with Peter, who he's weeping bitterly. So there seems to be some kind of inner depression. He's broken by his moment. Like he's, there seems to be, would you say humility or the, maybe the beginnings of I would repent if I could? I just, you know, there's. Yeah, but they're taking him away right now. Like he's weeping yeah. bitterly and looking at Jesus being dragged off the his house I'm assuming here and uh like there's, there's, there's humility with Peter there doesn't seem to be any humility at all with with Judas he just yeah. seems to, to take matters into his own hands whereas Peter is just broken yeah and again Judas took that final route which I yeah, know no offense to anyone but there's yeah. there's no coming back from that you know and, and if you take right. it and run with your depression or, or just try to fight it and, and get out of it or, or focus on something else 
there's still a chance for you. You know, there's still hope. And that's what Peter still has here ultimately is hope. And he has a, a great future ahead of him still. He doesn't know it, but there's plenty coming in his life. It's it's worth living for. And Judas, you know, we don't his story ends how his story ends because he never asked for forgiveness. He never got redemption. He just he ended it all. And I mean, there's no coming back from that. Um so kind of finishing up this this little uh, section on Peter's life. And I didn't really get into like his ministry. I mean, I took some notes on Acts and obviously he wrote first and second Peter. And there's been a great change by the time we get to that. But uh, yeah, I figured it only had an hour. So we don't have to go too crazy into, <laughs> into the rest of his ministry unless we want a part two in the future. But we could just end here for now with John 21, which is pretty awesome. This is kind of like, even like reading a little bit about in in 20, you know, this is when Jesus appears to the disciples. He appears in Mary Magdalene. He's resurrected. He's out here. And uh, and then you start, so chapter 20 even ends, you know, why this gospel is written. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also did in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So I think it could end right there. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a pretty good ending for the, the book of John. But we get a whole other chapter where it's where Jesus appears at the Sea of Galilee. And uh, what did I want to read? So, so the first thing you see here is Jesus is going to repeat that first miracle that he did with, uh, with Simon Peter. So after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and the, the twin, I think, right? And Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. So all the old fishermen, half of Jesus' crew, were kind of blue-collar fishermen guys, they all, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so these guys have been out here fishing all night. You know, it's kind of like you said earlier, like, and they didn't really even recognize it was Jesus. Like, you know, we'll humor this guy. We'll throw it out one more time. We've been here all night. We thought nothing. This guy called us children, which I don't know. Like, as a grown man, I wouldn't be too happy if someone was like, children, can you catch fish? But uh, they said no. He told them, cast it out on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. So this is where it kind of clicks. Obviously, it's the same miracle when he first met them. So... John, in verse 7 here, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved was John, and that's what John called himself in his book, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard this, it was the Lord, heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and cast himself into the sea. So immediately, they realized it was Jesus, and Simon, again, kind of impulsively, it's just jumping off the boat and swimming to shore, leading other guys to struggle with a net full of, I think they give a number, 153 fish. So if you guys got this, the six of you, I'm swimming to Jesus. So a little impulsive, but I think it's an impulse in the right direction, at least this time. And uh, 
towards it. But the other disciples came in a little boat, chugging along, so they, they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. I think it's cool that they number them, give you little details there. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Which I underlined that one because I thought it was kind of cool that he'd already kind of appeared to them twice, but they're still like not fulfilling the great commission, not listening to him, not like we're going fishing again. We're going back to our old lives, and you know, this is what we know, this is what we do. And Jesus, like he called them out and said, Do you have any fish? Who knows if they have fish or not? <laughs> you know, and they say no. And he's kind of telling them, like, you can't go back to this. Like, I control the fish. These are my fish, and you're not catching them unless I tell you you can. So he gave him one last haul, and then he calls them out for breakfast. And he's already got fish waiting for them. <laughs> um, so then this is kind of what I'm kind of wrapping up with here for this uh, part of Peter's study on Peter. But this is his commission you know the little chapter heading here is peter's restoration and commission so when they had finished breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these he said to him yes lord you know that i love you and he said to him tend my lambs he said to him again a second time this is jesus simon son of john do you love me he said to him yes lord you know that i love you and he said to him shepherd my sheep he said to them to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signified by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And some of the commentaries I kind of looked up for some notes were kind of, some people thought this had a lot of importance. Some people didn't. I personally think it, it does with uh, the Greek versions of love. Uh, the first time Jesus talks to him, he uses the word agape, which is like God's love. It's uh, out of the four different words the Greeks had for love. It's like the highest form of love. And Peter answers him with uh, phileo, which is kind of like a brotherly love. Philadelphia, this is your brotherly love. So, you know, he asks him, do you love me with this huge love? And Simon Peter answers like, well, I love you like a brother, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and he says, you know that I love you. So, like, he's relying on Jesus's uh, omniscience. And he's God. You know, you know, you know my heart. God. You know I love you like a brother is what he says and that's still enough for the lord he says all right tend my lambs like he's, he's giving him his new mission in life even with what you bring what you offer me might not be what i'm asking you for exactly but you're you're getting there you, you, your love isn't perfect like mine is but you're you're working on it and that's that's all you can do so the second time around kind of thinking he's agape he's his phileo 
he gets told to shepherd the sheep. And the third time, Jesus uses phileo too. So he says, do you love me in a brotherly way? And that's finally where they match terms. And Simon Peter says, yes, you know, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus tells him to end his sheep. So he met him where he was. You know, he went from, do you love me? Like, I love you, basically, with this, this love of God to, do you love me like a brother? Then tend my sheep. And I think that's, again, that gets his call to, to ministry. And after this, you know, we see in Acts, you know, the Pentecost, and Peter becomes a great leader of the church. 3,000 people get converted the first day he preaches. And, you know, he, he goes out to do great things. But in this moment, it's like, well, I'll work with what you got. You love me like a brother. You, you, that's all. And again, the love of God is a gift from God <laughs> that he gives us. So he's working with what he gave me. This is where you're starting. Get out there and tend my sheep and feed the flock. There, and, uh, Pancho, there, there, there also could be, you know, he denied Jesus three times. So Jesus was intentional three times in order to yeah. reach the stadium. And yeah, that's true. That's true. Another cool thing that kind of flies under the radar, one of those denials was around a charcoal grill. And and here he is around a charcoal grill again. And that God seemed to be very intentional about, uh, or Jesus rather, seems to be very intentional about how he goes about things. And so- He set up the scene, gave he, him his chance to get this around the charcoal grill. Grill fire, yeah. Right, you, you, you're gonna deny me around a fire when I'm, and now you're gonna be reinstated around a fire. It's kind of a cool little bit of symbolism there. Yeah, oh, for sure. So, and, you know, if you want to wrap up, there's uh, five more verses in the chapter, and it's kind of funny. It's one more little, so the last thing he said was, he said to him, Jesus speaking to Peter, follow me. And Peter turns around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who had also leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? So, you know, you just got stated to be tend the Lord's flocks and immediately get told to follow him. And immediately he's like, turns around and goes, what about this guy? So again, still, still learning to, to not be so focused on things of this earth. And, and Jesus says to him, if I wanted to remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So he just tells him, don't worry about other people. And we've kind of talked about it. Stay in your lane, Peter. Do what I'm telling you to do. Don't worry about what I'm doing with John. If John's going to be alive till I come back, that's what John's doing. Don't worry about that. So I kind of like that. You know, he kind of ends up, he still kind of turns away. One last, again, we're all, again, that's as a new believer, it's so reassuring to see that even Simon Peter, the father, the rock of the church is built, turns away. Wanders like a sheep too. He's not a, He's not perfect by any means, but the Lord uses what uh, what we bring to him. And it's pretty cool to see and learn. So, Pancho, if you were to land the plane, what, what, what would you like our listeners to take away about the life of Peter? Uh, Peter in, was in the, in, Gospels, in the Gospels. Yeah, yeah, we didn't go into the, the rest. He's got more stuff in the Bible, but reading the Gospels, Peter is a deeply flawed, doubtful man at times. But, and like I said, Jesus... Uh, knows where he's at and uses him to to build the church and you know start everything we enjoy today the, the whole our christian faith the foundations of the church that we love is founded on this man who is just like us and that's something we can all rest in that we might not be perfect we, we might struggle at times we might doubt 
We might look away. We might look at the guy next to us and be like, what are you doing in this guy's life? What, what, what about me? But uh, God just still use you greatly to, to spread the, the word about him. You know, that's overall our goal is to make other disciples. And that's what Peter gets to. Well, this was, this was a, a great, great look at uh, the life of Peter and the Gospels. I really appreciate, Pancho, how you led us through um, all four Gospels. We, got to, we, we weren't just camping out in one. You, were, you, you bounced around all four, and I really like that. And yeah, definitely, Peter, I, I think as we read the Gospels, I, I think as readers, a lot of us identify with Peter. Peter seems to have foot and mouth disease. Like He kind of puts his foot in his mouth a lot. He speaks really quickly. He's just ready to go. He seems to be a man's man. He just wants to react. He's very reactionary. And, and those reactions don't usually serve him well, but he does also show profound faith, even as a guy who really struggles at times. And he also went through a real depressing season. And I really like how, uh, how God, he, he, you know, he allowed Jesus to reframe his story. So rather than your, the final chapter of your story, Peter, is you've rejected me and now you're essentially how you feel, which is worthless because he's weeping bitterly. So now feed my lambs. I still have a purpose for you. And I'm the one authoring your story, not you. And I know in depression, that is key to be able to, to rename your, your, your story and, and just tell yourself a different story based upon the truth in Jesus. And there's something about Peter that, is really great and, and we're, we are blessed to have seen him in, in action and, and seeing his proximity to Jesus and how Jesus changed his life and how Peter was used by Jesus for his for, for Jesus's glory I, I think it's so cool even someone like Peter and that means there's hope for a lot of us too so Pancho what a great journey you led us on today I'm honored to be with you and this has been Masterclass Theology from the life of Simon Peter. We'll call this episode Simon Peter, I think. As always, I'm Big Rev. I'm Big Rev. And I'm Poncho. Awesome. Have a great day and God bless. Take care. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.